0: Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. And if you got your phone or your whatever you got or your actual Bible, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians 5:23. And we're going to uh, start a new series this morning called In Your Control, subtitle Dealing with Your Feeling. <laughs> Can can anybody imagine where I'm going? (laughs) You'll know here in just a second. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and I'm going to read the introduction. The scriptures tell us that we are a three-part being. We are a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. The soul has been described as the mind, the will, and the emotions. In this series, we want to focus on the soul and specifically our emotions. Emotions have been described as the spice of life. They do not add substance to life, but flavor it. Just like spice, emotions will not sustain life, but add flavor to life's experiences. In this series, we want to give a balanced biblical perspective to the role of emotions in our life. This subject of our emotions falls under the category of spiritual growth. Later in the message, we will look closer at emotions specifically, But first, I want to look at our biblical responsibility in our spiritual growth. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says this. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your what? Whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, specifically... What I want you to see there is that by the revelation of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul broke us down into three parts. You are a what? You are actually a triune being, just like Jesus, or just like the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen? And so um, there are lots of ways to describe this. I've heard it described different ways, uh, specifically with the Godhead. Uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit—the tr- the Trinity. I've heard of what is what makes up an egg. You have a yolk, you have a white, and you have a shell. Um, specifically for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you have uh, people have described Him as the Sun. The Sun itself is a star. It gives off light, which is Jesus, and it gives off heat, which is the Holy Spirit. You like that? You liked that better than the egg. <laughs> Must have hit home stronger on that one. So, but what do you have? You have three things. Now, you could break it down into more, but it's, it's three things working together. And so we have a spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. Now, our soul is commonly referred to as the mind, will, and emotions, Romans twelve two says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here we see we're supposed to do something with our soul or our mind, and that is we're to have it transformed by the word of God. Thirdly, we live in a body. Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. So if you are your body, how are you going to pre- present it? Do you see the division? Who presents your body? Then you're a spirit. You're not a body. You're the spirit inside looking through windows called eyeballs. When someone when, when somebody dies, we say dies, do you know really nobody dies? Stick with me here. You go up. You're a spirit. Now, you can eternally die spiritually, or you can eternally live spiritually. Those who are born again, when they leave their body, they go. If you're not born again, when you leave your body, you go down. How many are for going up? It's good. It's good. It's good. We're up people around here. We like up is better. <laughs> so we're three parts. So he, he delineates here. He said, present your body to the Lord, wholly acceptable to God, as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which tells me that my body's not going to want to do that on its own. Right? How many realize that your body will do things that and desire to do things that you did before you were saved? After you were saved? Yep. Spiritual growth, part of it is you recognize the parts of who you are and the desires that they have and the instruction from God's Word on how to handle each part. Now, the world is going to tell you you are what you feel. How many felt God in the room? Okay? Just get outside and start driving and see if a new feeling comes up. Have your wife say something that you don't like and see if a new feeling comes up. We're not led by our feelings. And I, I have good news in this. You don't have to be dominated by how you feel as a Christian. Now, you may not have understood this, and so you have been dominated by how you feel. But the reality is you don't have to be dominated by how you feel. Because we have spiritual strength. If the, if the Scripture tells us in Romans 12:1 that we can present our bodies to the Lord, then we have power over our bodies. Amen? So, we see that. So, I do understand this is a very simplified explanation of our biblical understanding of our design, but I want to get to the understanding of our soul and emotions rather than spend as much time on this division here. If you would like to dive into more teaching on this subject, we did a series in 2021, and it's on the website called Possessing Your Vessel, which is available on the website, so you can search it. On the sermons tab if you want to dive into that spirit, soul, body side more. But my first point this morning, and this is what I want to open up with and close with today. Growing up spiritually requires personal responsibility. Growing up spiritually requires personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse one. First Peter. It's to your right of Thessalonians. Chapter two, verse one says, "We're going to establish that growing up spiritually requires personal responsibility." First Peter, chapter two, verse one says, "Therefore, laying aside all malice." All deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may what grow thereby? If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many have tasted that the Lord is gracious? Now, first, first Peter was written to who? Christians, do you have to tell Christians to not have malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking? You do. People say, oh, I know because they're not saved. No, it's because you haven't learned to dominate or I haven't learned to dominate our flesh yet. Remember, you're a three-part being. Your flesh will act just like the world if you let it. It will take you right down the same path as the world. In fact, (laughs) it's one of the biggest issues in the church. I don't know about you. it's, It's really a big issue in my life. I wake up every morning, and it's still here. (laughs) Now, the more we grow spiritually, today, my flesh does not dominate me like it did 23 years ago when I got saved. And if you've been saved a while, it shouldn't be dominating you that way. What happens is when we don't understand our own responsibility in spiritual growth is we end up adopting immaturities as our identity rather than adopting Christology as our identity. When we don't crucify our flesh, the devil can convince us and renew our mind. The devil can convince us once an addict... Liar, devil. Liar, liar. Pants on fire. Come on. You know? I heard Jesse Duplantis say this years ago. When the devil reminds something or says something to you about your present, you just remind him of his future. So we're to lay aside all of these things. Laying aside, in other translations, says rid yourself, put out of your life, cast off and abandon all of these things. These statements tell me that we have a responsibility in the process of growing up spiritually. Spiritual growth involves understanding God's provision of salvation and the, com- the complement. Complementary obligation to holy living or we could say putting on Christ if I have to put something on that means that it's not automatically there so what does salvation mean I was saved by grace what did I have anything to do with that no, other than I engaged in that salvation when I was born again, the divine seed, and you can read this in in First in Peter, but he talks about incorruptible seed was placed within me. Now, we know from Jesus' teaching that what comes first is the seed, then the blade, then the ear, then the what? Full grain in the ear. Or, as other people, other gospels have, have described it, it is a harvest of 30, 60, and 100-fold, which means you can develop so much in the area spiritually in maturing in Christ to where you have 100-fold harvest on the graces that have been provided within the divine seed. Now, think with me here. Seed, what is inside of a seed? How many have driven by or you you live near or you've driven in the what what are called the tree streets in Billings downtown? How did all those trees start? One seed. Now, I'll give you an example. When they planted those trees, they planted those seeds. They didn't dig a hole. I mean, they did dig a hole. Stuff to plant it if you don't dig a hole, you know. I got a little ahead in my illustration there. We'll back it up. They dug a hole. They put a seed in the ground. They covered it over with dirt. Then they put water on it, right? And they continue watering it, Right? They didn't dig a hole, put the, put the seed in, put the dirt on top of the, of the seed, pour water on it, and tell everybody, get back, get back, get back. And pow, an oak tree appeared. They didn't drop that seed in there, put dirt on it, dump water, and go, clear, clear, everybody get back. We're gonna have a tree in about three and a half seconds. Now, I wish spiritual growth was that way, but it ain't. And that's not even good English. <laughs> it is not. It's a process. Spiritual growth is like physical growth. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may. Grow thereby. Do you feed your infants steak? Nope. They have to what? Develop first. Mark talked about this a little bit. I mean, he was coming from a different angle, but it's the Holy Spirit saying the same thing. In the early service, he was talking about the fact that God will get into the areas of our lives that we don't want him to get into, that we don't even get into in order to clean it out. This is how spiritual growth works. He'll get into the areas. How many do this? How many have done Lord, we want your move. We want want everything that you have for us, God. Everything. We want to be involved. We want to be a part of uh, of, of the harvest of the nations. We want to see everything that you have. We want to see your glory manifest like we know it can in the book of Acts and all of these things. And the Lord says to you, we start, to, we start to go that direction. And then the Lord starts dealing with you about your love walk. Then the Lord starts dealing with you about little things in your life that are, that are cleanup areas. And you go, no, 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 Lord, I want a steak. And he's like, you got two teeth on top. <laughs> and nothing anywhere else. I am not wasting my fatted calf on you. Takes the bottle. Oh, It's not too, not too warm. Okay. Now, if you're like me, I like to imagine I'm further than I am. It's just the truth. I. There's no way around it. I, it's just the truth. Uh, it's true. We're, how many are further than you were? but you're not as far as you wish you were. <laughs> Come on. It's just the truth. But we, are, we, we have responsibility in growth. When we are born again, we become brand new creatures spiritually. But we did not become brand new in our thinking or in our bodies. How many noticed that? You know, I mean, it was a spiritual transformation that took place. We are to do what Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you, always, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For in the New Living Translation, it says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. He says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear. This verse to me points to personal what? Responsibility. While we are not the power, we do hold the power of choice which God will not override. While we are not the power, you can plant the seed, you can water the seed. You're not going to make the seed grow, but you have the choice to maintain that seed. Or I would put it to you like this, maintain relationship and fellowship and then obedience. Amen. We are to desire the sincere milk of the word. The Lord is gracious. It speaks of personal responsibility when we talk about desire. Desire means to intensely yearn for. It means to crave and to long for. In addition to putting aside sin, believers must adopt the insatiable and often voracious appetite of newborn babies and feed on the spiritual milk of the word. Such feeding will result in their growing up in their salvation. That is, though these believers are babies in respect to salvation, they are growing and are to be growing to adulthood in their conduct and spiritual maturity." Believers should never stop growing to spiritual maturity. And one of the ways they accomplish this is through a steady diet of the word of God. This verse uses a word to describe the Bible. The word is sincere, which means without deceit or subtlety. The unpolluted word of God will produce continuous growth until believers experience the grace that was provided in Jesus Christ at salvation. Peter was not contrasting milk with meat or solid food here. Instead, he was contrasting the pure milk of the word with food that is mixed with harmful things. Every false cult needs some other book, tradition, dream, or revelation to establish its doctrines. Believers should continually crave the word in its simplicity and purity instead of going off into the speculations of false teachers. Just stick with the word. Amen? One other verse, and we'll wrap up here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1. Starting in verse number 1, we're going to go through, I believe, verse 3 or 4. But verse number 1 says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. What did, what did Paul call the Corinthian church? Now, how would you like that? Good morning, church. You guys, I had a message for you, but you're all a bunch of babies. You can't handle nothing but a bunch of milk. So, somebody get the bottles. That's what he's saying. No wonder he wrote letters. (laughs) Maybe we should just send out emails, you know? (laughs) Come on, we're growing, amen? The New Living Translation of verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. Can you be an infant in the Christian life? Yes. And I'll just say this. I heard a minister say this years ago. There's no social promotion in God's kingdom. You say, what do you mean? How many have ever heard of or you know of a situation where some uh, child wasn't passing grades and there you've got this big kid in an itty-bitty desk? Spiritually, you could be saved for 30 years and still be an infant. Disappointing, isn't it? So the answer isn't depression. It's get after it. The grace of God and the mercy of God is more than enough. Amen? So in this chapter, Paul declares to the Corinthians that they were not mature enough to handle certain things he desired to teach them. When Paul first came to Corinth, these men had been converted and became spiritual babes. They were young and weak. There is nothing wrong with that. Every Christian begins without experience, with little understanding. The need is for growth. Here is where the problem enters in when believers do not grow spiritually. Do not grow spiritually. They still are living in traits of their old life before Christ. Now that's not wrong if you're just saved. But the longer you're saved and walking with the Lord, less and less of the world should be in your life. I'm going to say this. It doesn't determine whether you go to heaven or not. Jesus already determined that. Now, uh, there's a balance here, and I'm not going to go into this, but just realize this. Nobody just loses their salvation. I hate, I hate, maybe too strong a word. No, it might not be. I mean, sorry, I'm having a conversation with myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't like that phrase, and here's why. Because it leaves the impression in your mind that somebody's walking along, they slipped on a banana peel, and all of a sudden they're not saved anymore. What happened? I just lost it. No. Nobody just loses it. Now, if you reject Christ, that's a different animal. And I'm not talking about some emotional thing. But it's a deep-seated thing, a belief in the heart, just like you had a belief in your heart, that Jesus was your savior. It's something deep. I've met people. Oh, I'm never going to serve God. I mean, cussing God. After they were born again. Not good. But they didn't really mean it. They got all over into their emotion and flesh and let the enemy take over. And they started yielding to it and said a bunch of stupid things that they shouldn't have. Amen. How many are married? Okay. How many, uh, you don't get to answer this question because you just got married, so there's no way you've experienced any of this. (laughs) It's too much, huh? Sorry about that. (laughs) I'm teasing, I'm teasing. (laughs) So, how many have ever gotten over into your flesh in your marriage and said things you wish you wouldn't, but it didn't end your marriage? Come on, God's not petty. I I just know you're not going to do that ever. I am believing with you, brother. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) The problem is not that spiritually immature believers are in the church. For all new converts begin as spiritual infants. As such, they need milk and cannot be faulted for not yet being ready for solid food. But the problem arises because certain Corinthians are guilty of arrested spiritual development. They are still not ready for solid food because they are still worldly. Notice where Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is putting the responsibility of what he is able to teach them. I've met believers that are like, well, I'd go there, but they don't teach anything deep. Can you handle anything deep? It's easy to sit and judge another. It's difficult to look at yourself. So, then, even for me, Lord, I want to go deeper in this area. Okay, Sean, can you go deeper in that area? Can you? Every wholehearted, passionate believer desires to know and walk in the mature or deep things of God. But we see here that there are qualifications for those places. Well, I want to see what so-and-so sees, and I want to... Qualifications. In other words, I'm going to grow, I'm going to develop, and the Lord will take me to places that I didn't understand before. I heard a minister say this years ago, and we'll go to verse 2. I heard a minister say this years ago. He said this. He said there were times in his life, and I noted this for myself. I've experienced it now, but at the time I was real young in the Lord. He said there are times in my life where I asked the Lord about a specific biblical thing, a question that I had, and he answered me seven years later. Now watch. Do you know what carnal Christians do? Well, I asked the Lord about that. He never answered me. That's why I quit going to church. I, you know, you say, Do you have to say that, Sean? I've just seen it so many times. It just hurts. Because you know God and you know what He's like. And He's not up there going, No, I'm not answering Mike. I don't like Mike. Mike hurt my feet. Mike, God is not petty. God has emotion, but they're completely under control. You know, people say, they read the Old Testament, they go, God got angry, and, and how many have seen, like, whole nation get wiped out? That was not God lost his temper and then woke up after it was over and went, Michael Gabriel, what'd I do? And they're like, we were trying to hold you down, but you're God. <laughs> so, and you say, well, preacher, then explain it. There was no repentance in those people. Judgment had to happen. It was his mercy. If he allowed it to go, then that wickedness would begin to take over. Noah in the ark. It was the compassion and mercy of God that judged the situation. That's right. Well, go look at it and see. Some of you are still looking at me a little cross-eyed about it, but I feel like we're on pretty solid ground. First Corinthians 13 or 3 2 says this, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for until now you were what? And even now you're what? Huh. Did you go to Paul's meeting? Yeah. What do you teach on? Same thing he always does. I'm just prophesying, that's all. People say, oh, no, it wasn't." if I would have been around during Paul's day, nope, you would be who you are right now. Do you know people abandon Paul's ministry for the love of the world? Well, if I was under the apostle Paul's anointing, I mean, he, he was writing scripture. All these preachers today, they don't have any anointing compared to. I just heard it, that's all. That's all. I've just heard it. Actually, unfortunately, I've said it. And How many know the longer you walk with the Lord, he'll go, jerk the slack out. And you go, (laughs) yeah, about that, Lord, I'm sorry. It should have kept my mouth off of him or her or whoever. Paul just preaches the same old thing. New Living Translation. I had to feed you with milk not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. Why are they not ready? Is it because Paul's not teaching deep enough? It's not what it says. Paul is not going, you know what, you guys are right. I am sorry, I'm such a poor leader. (laughs) It'll make you think, won't it? You know how you get to seeing this these ways? You have to have the Holy Spirit help you see it. He just preached the same message again. Well, what does that mean? He probably doesn't study. He probably doesn't. He probably just sits around and does whatever he wants all day long and all week long. You know how preachers are. He probably golfs four out of five days. And then on the fifth day, when he knows he has to have a message by Sunday, he opens up some commentary somewhere and digs into it real quick and finds some things that sound interesting and shares it. Or he just goes back to what he's always preached. Or I'm not able to hear something deeper because I haven't done with what I was supposed to in the first place. This hurts me in the feels. I'm gonna control my emotion. <laughs> but not a bad hurt. It's like Hebrews 12. All I could think of was Hebrews 12, Mark, this morning when you were teaching. Hebrews 12. The Lord chastens those he. Huh. Oh no, Grace would never do that. Oh no, Grace, Grace would never do that. Oh, Grace would. You just don't know grace in its full personality yet (laughs) and full import or sides of truth. Why am I disciplined then? What do I know if I get disciplined? He loves me. What do I know if I get disciplined? I'm a child. Have you... Do you practice going into Walmart and whipping all the kids that aren't listening to their parents that aren't yours? I mean, I want to do it. Of course I don't think I've been in Walmart in years. Literally, years. You can drive it you can drive up and they'll bring it out to you. Well, just saying. Then you don't have to see how they dress in Walmart. Yeah, it can be interesting. You don't go into Walmart and go, see some lady with her kid who's trying to reason with a two year old pitching a fit on the floor. I mean, I'd grab the kid's leg and just start dragging him. <laughs> you say, oh, that's child abuse. No, I'm just telling him I'm not going to put up with it. You know, I'm not going to go here <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go here. Don't do it. <laughs> If you want to know how to parent, watch the Andy Griffith show. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) If I'm not allowing discipline, I'm saying I'm not a child. If I'm not receiving discipline, that might be a bigger issue. And I'm not saying God is riding you And and looming over you, going, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing... This is fellowship discipline. What do you mean? As you're relational with the Lord, people that have really experienced this, they love it. Because they know, oh, you're right, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Yep, okay, I'll, I'll stop doing that. And by your grace, I'll overcome. Make sense? So, is our spiritual development is part of it on us. It is. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.